Thank you for joining us for the U-City Sermon of the Week. We invite you to partner with us through giving at ucitychurch.com slash give. We also invite you to like our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for updates, as well as our weekly live stream services on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. At the end of it. That works. Well, I was supposed to say that it's such a powerful video, but you guys didn't get to see it, but you heard it. Um, but anyways, um, I don't know about you, but I think that tonight, tonight holds a lot more weight than others. Um, and there is a very unique weight as we begin to feel the tension in our hearts, thinking back to the intensity of the moment where the savior of the world was flogged, whipped, mocked, and beaten for us. And above all that, he carried the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders, carrying the cross up the hill. The cross, which is such a a powerful example for us as believers, which is exactly why we have one here on stage every single Sunday. And we see them all throughout the world as well. As, as many historians and, and believers and, and teachers of the word believe it to be one of the most accurate and one of the most powerful symbols of the Christian faith. You see, in the time of Jesus, the excruciating and terrorizing pain and death on the cross is actually known as crucifixion. And as we think back to, to the agony of the crucifixion, I think it's really, really, really easy for us to focus on the physical pain that Jesus experienced, and he did. Without a doubt, he experienced an immense amount of physical pain and an immense amount of agony. But that wasn't the only pain that he felt in that moment, though, was it? No, you see, Jesus experienced agony far greater than just physical pain which to most of us and and to most of the people was more than enough to kill them, and it did. Crucifixion killed a lot of people. But the spiritual pain and agony, I can imagine, was far greater than the physical pain that he experienced in that moment, in that terrifying moment, which also ultimately was a time where he poured out more love than anything this world has ever seen, anything this world has ever witnessed or even experienced in human history. And right now, I want us to think back to the moment where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden, he was preparing his heart, his mind, and his soul for what was to come. He was preparing himself for what was about to happen to him. 
And he cried out to the Lord saying, Father, take this cup from me. You see, in that moment, Jesus was grieving. He felt an an extreme amount of anxiety and anguish as those who he called his best friends and his disciples had already begun to fall asleep just a little ways away from where he was praying in the garden. And, and some people believe that the man who betrayed him, Judas, knew that he would be there. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what was about to happen. And his disciples had already begun to fall asleep, even after telling them to stay awake, keep watch, and pray, because he knew what was coming. He knew what was happening. And Judas betrayed him with a kiss to distinguish who he was because it was a very large garden and it was incredibly dark out. And a little time before that, Luke twenty-two forty-four says, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And if you didn't know this, it is actually scientifically proven that with enough turmoil, heartache, and stress in one's spirit, It is actually scientifically proven that a human being literally does have the ability to bleed from pores that are right near the sweat glands. And this is what happened to Jesus in that moment when he began to bear the penalty of the sins of all of mankind. Not just one man's sins. He didn't just bear the weight of one friend's situation or feel the anxiety of one loved one, which to most of us would be more than enough to bring us to our knees. He felt the weight of the sins of every single human being, past, present, and future. And the penalty for those sins. The wrath of God was dropped onto his shoulders, and I can imagine that it was like a ton of bricks just falling down on him all at once. And you see, the wages of sin is death. And that is what needed to be done. And he bore those wages in that moment. And in that moment, I want you to know that he felt your pain. Even before he fixed his eyes on the cross, he felt the pain of the world. You see, the sin, the sorrow, the shame, he took it all. And he bore it to the point of sweating blood, to the point of asking God, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. As he fell with his face in the dirt in the garden in anguish, which actually is a posture that indicates complete surrender to God. It is a sure emotion of prayer. And this is actually what a lot of people did for Jesus when they began to fully recognize and realize who he was. They fell to their knees with their face in the ground in awe of him. And when he rode in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, they they praised and worshiped him, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And that was just days before the crucifixion. But now he too was just like them bearing all of their sin and all of their shame with his face in the dirt. And he was the one who created them. 
And you see, that is what the cross symbolized in the time of Jesus. The cross was a symbol of shame. So much so to the point that people in that time, they didn't want to talk about the cross. They didn't want to hear about crucifixion. You see, crucifixion was a public display of terror and shame. And the Romans would often crucify people in very public places. And they did this because their number one main goal was to strike fear into the people as a warning to them to not live a life that the person on the cross lived. Or to not act how the person on the cross acted in their lives. And so they would do this in all these public places. And I can imagine women and children and families would see these people on the cross. See these bloodied men hanging on the cross just moments away from death. And throughout his life, I can imagine that Jesus saw this too. So he knew how gruesome this was. He knew how horrendous of a death that crucifixion was. But even in knowing that, he still allowed it to happen. And he still knew that it needed to be done. And it was nothing that me or you could accomplish. And so even after sweating blood and feeling the weight of the sins of of humanity and being betrayed by one of his best friends, he knew that that there was still so much more that needed to be done. That the sins of the world, the sins of mankind had to be paid for. They had to be bought with a price. And he knew that in order for that to happen, the physical agony was coming so that his body would, in fact, die. And scripture tells us that he was arrested by the Sanhedrin or the religious leaders and then later handed off to a man named Pontius Pilate, who was a Roman official, to stand trial in front of the men that hated, them, that hated him and that wanted him dead. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 24, or sorry, Matthew 27, verses 24 through 26. And it says this. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released him. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. The prophet Isaiah prophesied in the Old Testament of the physical pain and agony that Jesus went through. And in Isaiah 52:14, he said this: "As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human." semblance in his body beyond that of the children of mankind. So people who knew Jesus Christ would look at him and not even recognize who he was. And when we hear that Jesus was scourged, it was actually Jewish law that a man may only receive 39 lashes or whips as 40 was believed to be enough to kill a man. And for Jesus, this was done with something called the cat of nine tails, And it was actually a whip that had nine different tails coming out of it, each embedded with bone or other sharp objects that would pierce the skin, embed itself into the man, and rip open the flesh as the whip would hit the body. 
And so they would do this 39 times just before the brink of death. And that is how many whips and lashes that Jesus received. And so after being brutally beaten and having his flesh ripped open, he was also tasked with the responsibility of carrying his own cross up the mountain or up the hill with the help of another man. And what they would do is they would nail both of the feet together and each hand would be nailed on the cross using these large nails or spikes that they would hammer into each hand and jab through both of the feet. And as the men hung there, most of them would simply die of just not being able to breathe. And the only way for them to breathe was to push down on their hands and up on their feet in order to get air back into their lungs. But it was incredibly, incredibly painful to push up on feet that now had a large nail hammered into them. And sometimes, in order to speed up the process, they would actually break the man's legs so that he could no longer push up for air, and eventually he would suffocate to death. And so Jesus hung there on the cross. And the Old Testament prophecy was fulfilled that none of his bones would be broken. You see, they didn't have to break his legs. And scripture tells us that he yielded up his spirit to God, saying, it is finished. And to prove that he was dead, they took a large spear and pierced it into his side, puncturing into the heart sack so that blood and water would pour out of him, proving that he was dead. And you see those two pains, those two different sources of agony and despair, the, the physical and the spiritual or the emotional, I want you to know that those two things were not taken on for no reason. Or those two things were not presented to Jesus just to show how much he can withstand or to prove how strong he was because honestly, the strength was shown in his humility, right? He had all the power in the world to save himself, to prove his power by using his power. And scripture does tell us that he could have easily done that if he wanted to. He even said himself he could have easily sent down a legion of angels to destroy those men. And if you think about it, usually people who have a lot of strength or who are held to a a high regard, who have a lot of power, well, those are the people who would be the first ones to use those things to show who they are. Use those things to show their strength and to show their power. But you know what? Jesus died to show who he was. He died to do what needed to be done. And of course, he had the ability to rain down anger and total wrath on the men when he was on the cross, but instead, he simply says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed for the men as they were killing him. And he did it all because of love. It was his choice to look at those who were killing him and say, forgive them. That is love. That is love. But my question is, holy cow, where in the world is that type of love gone? Like, why have we strayed so far away from the original definition of love? And since when has love become a feeling or an emotion? Like, love those only who you want to love. 
Only love if you feel like loving or don't love if you don't feel like it. And honestly, sometimes I think we have kind of perverted the entire concept and the entire idea of love to some degree. I mean, we just talked through and read through the crucifixion narratives and I guarantee you that Jesus did not feel like doing that. But he did it because of love. He didn't love because of feeling. He didn't love just because he felt like it. He actually went against those feelings and emotions that he was having in the garden of, Father, take this cup from me. Take this from me if there's any other way. But he also said, if there isn't any other way, let your will be done. And he said that because of love. He sacrificed himself for the world. That is love. That is love. John 15, 12 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that is an overwhelming amount of love. That is an unheard of, overflowing and outpouring of love for all of humanity and for all of mankind and for you and for me. So as we close tonight, my hope is that we can all see that Jesus is the most powerful and the most perfect and most amazing definition of love. In that outside of his love, we are destined for darkness. We are destined for eternal death and eternal suffering. But that he loved us in the darkest hour to bring about everlasting light. And that the cross is the most powerful symbol of our faith because it stands as an outpouring of love for an incredibly, incredibly undeserving world. But it was the only thing that was able to save us. And finally, I want all of us to know that this love is for you. That the agony, the terror, the pain It was experienced for our transgressions and it was experienced for our trespasses and it was experienced for our sins and for the sins of of everyone who believes. And so as I pray to close and then we're gonna go into a little time of communion and then sing the last two songs, my prayer is that we, we continue to feel this weight. And maybe we can just maybe recognize and and try to fathom how much love was poured out in that moment. Let's pray.